Hi there, and welcome back to Romanticy, a podcast created by Dipsy. I'm your host, Faye Keegan. This week, we'll be listening to episode nine of Wings of Winter, which is the penultimate or the second to last episode of Wings of Winter that we'll be releasing on this podcast. As a reminder, this is just a small selection of what Dipsy has made and what is available now. Um, This is just a few episodes of our fantasy series. There are over a thousand other original spicy audio stories made by us available on our app right now. You can get 30 days free to explore all of that original spicy made by women for women audio right now by going to dipsystories.com slash romanticy and redeeming your free month. Just go to D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S.com slash romanticy to get 30 days free. In this episode of Wings of Winter, we're kind of coming closer to the end of the gleaning, the end of the games. Our heroes have struggled, they have survived many challenges, and as storytellers, we were really interested in sort of delivering a satisfying final challenge and kind of wrapping up the threads of the gleaning and also set ourselves up for a really exciting season two. As predominantly romance writers, erotic writers, romantic storytellers at Dipsy, we really struggled to write this one. I went back and forth a lot because of the complexity of the action scenes. At Dipsy, we write a lot of (laughs) stories that involve two or three bodies, human bodies, interacting with each other. And we actually used to have little wooden mannequins like you have in figure drawing classes in our office to help us sort of visualize the action of a scene and then translate that uh, accurately into words. At Zipsy, we are much better now at the two or three person intimate sex scene and visualizing that and writing it. And We rarely have to go back to (laughs) wooden mannequins, but this episode of Wings of Winter had us doing three-dimensional visualization and description at a scale we never had done before. We had multiple dragons with beans atop them flying through space, and it really was way out of our comfort zone as writers. But as is often the case with life's greatest challenges, um, that struggle, that difficulty made me even more proud of the results. So we changed the action and the plot of this one a lot to get to the final iteration you see today. But I'm, I'm so, so proud of how it turned out. So I hope that you enjoy this piece that we struggled so much with internally. Uh, Here it is, episode nine of Wings of Winter, the second to last episode of Wings of Winter that we'll be releasing on this podcast. If you want to hear the rest of the series and many more stories like it, they're all available right now on the Dipsy app. But here it is, episode nine of Wings of Winter. Beyond the castle walls, deep in a nearby wood, was a small cave I stumbled upon when I was just a young failing. It was there that I waited for you and Hawthorne. I gathered sticks, leaves, and wood, and conjured a small flame with my magic. Outside, the wind howled 
cold and the swirling snow obscured the light of the moon. The flames made shadows flicker upon the cave walls and I watched them dance with worry. Where were you two? Had you been taken? It was no longer safe for us to meet within the boundaries of the royal court. We had to strategize in secret. I tensed. There was a high-pitched sound carried on the wind. A strange and distorted noise I could not recognize. I prepared for a fight, crouching slightly and pulling my sword from its scabbard. But then... You emerged at the mouth of the cave, pushing back the hood of your snow furs, your arm around Hawthorne's shoulder. The two of you were laughing. Laughing. What in the name of the many gods could you two possibly be finding humor in at this moment? Oh, don't look so serious, Rowan, Hawthorne teased. I made us a fire potion to keep warm, and the halfling had a little too much. I looked at you, and your cheeks were indeed flushed. When you noticed I was looking at you, your mouth stretched into a hilariously lopsided smile, and then you burped loudly. I laughed then too. Here, Hawthorne shoved the bottle into my hands. Drink, she commanded. It's cold as all hellfire tonight. We sat around the fire, warming our hands above the flame and passing the bottle between us, taking sips as we talked. Any intel? Hawthorne asked. I nodded solemnly. It was why I had instructed them to meet me in the cave. I snuck into the hidden chambers behind the game maker's war room. I wasn't able to make out much, but... I learned enough. Dragons, the final challenge. Is dragons, I said quietly. Hawthorne let out a long, low whistle, then grabbed the fire potion from me and took a long sip. You looked at me incredulously, your eyes a bit clearer than when you showed up. Are they trying to kill all of us, you asked? Probably, Hawthorne replied. I grabbed the fire potion back from Hawthorne and took a long pull. The heat filled my bones and still the cold seemed to seep into me. We don't have to kill the dragons, I said. Well, that's a relief, you started to say, but I interrupted you before you could finish. We have to race them. You looked at me. Confusion on your face, you mean outrun them? Hawthorne scoffed at you and I glared at her. No, human. I said, race them against each other. These are dragons that you can ride. What? You asked, incredulous. Hawthorne got serious for a second. We are to be dragon riders then. How poetic. You were still confused. You looked angrily at both of us and waited for us to explain. I sighed and began. How should I say this? It's a time-honored tradition of the royal fae. When royals come of age, they learn to ride dragons. It used to be that dragons were ridden for war. Now it's more for sport. Very, very dangerous sport. Well, you said, I don't see how I'll be able to do that. It was true. There was no time to train you, and even if there were no dragons around to throw you on, only the immortal, the most elite immortals, had the training, the access, and the privilege of riding dragons. The reality sat heavily amongst us as we stared out into the inky darkness beyond the cave mouth. You shifted on your feet, 
shrugged and looked at me. We could leave, you said. What if we just get our things and go? We could go back to the mountains, take refuge in the cabin, and figure out a plan from there. They'd send an army after us, I said, and we wouldn't stand a chance. If the witches stood with us, we might, Hawthorne murmured. If the witches defended us from the royal fae, it would start a war, I said. It might happen anyway, she said with an air of resignation. She wasn't wrong. Things had been tense in Aurora since my father had announced my engagement to Zalrina. The court was astir with murmurs of unrest. The humans in the southern kingdom were on the verge of revolt. The alliance between you and I had given them hope for the first time in hundreds of moons. It seemed like there was a real possibility that you could win and finally return the seasons to their land. But when my father announced my engagement, their hopes were crushed. They saw it for what it was, a strategic move. It was clear my father wanted my alliance with you to end. Of course, the elves were thrilled, but among the witches and humans, there had been whispers of war. It was becoming increasingly clear that only the Fae were ever going to win the gleaning and my father would make sure of it. How are things going with your wife, you asked me. Perhaps the fire potion hadn't worn off after all. I rolled my eyes. She's not my wife. Yet, Hawthorne said threateningly and you laughed. I was starting to think it was easier when the two of you were enemies. It's hardly a laughing matter, I groaned. If I deny the marriage outright, my father has grounds to try me for treason. I'm sure he would have loved to have tried me in the royal court earlier, but our allyship wasn't against any laws, at least not any written yet. He's probably writing new ones into the Book of Aurora as we speak. I'm not sure how we avoid this. We'll figure something out, you said. We always do. My brain ached from thinking so deeply and so often. We'd run through the same conundrum countless times now. I just can't see a road forward where I don't get blood on my hands. I sunk my head into my hands trying to find some way out of the situation I'd found myself in. Sensing my distress, you crawled from the other side of the fire and slid onto my lap. Then you tenderly pulled my hands away from my eyes, kissed each palm, and then held my fist to your chest. Hawthorne rolled her eyes. I have to say it was much more fun when you two couldn't stand each other. Can we decide on a plan so we can leave this God's forsaken cavern? We talked late into the night. In the end, we decided the only way out was through. We'd compete in the final challenge of the gleaning. We were sure my father would make it impossible for you to win, but we'd thwarted him before. Perhaps we could again, and we'd figure out what to do about my marriage arrangement after the games were over. As painful as it was, we spent our final days before the dragon race keeping a far distance. You spent your nights in the competitor's quarters and I spent mine in my royal bedchamber. But on the final night, you broke our promise. Shortly after midnight, there was a knock on my door. And when I opened it, you were there. A cloak pulled close to your face. What are you doing here? I whispered, pulling you inside. 
Saying goodbye, you said. But the royal guards, I started. I know. I know, you said. But I had to say goodbye. If we don't make it, you started to say. We're going to make it, I said before you could finish. I promise you. I just needed to see you, you said, a tear sliding down your cheek. I'd never seen you cry. I wiped it away and said, you're braver than I. Or more reckless, you said, laughing softly back. Come here, I said. Lay with me. Let me hold you. Come first light, you can return to your quarters before the game makers escort you to the challenge grounds. We did not sleep or speak that night. Just before the sun rose, I kissed you hard at the door, and you disappeared into the hall, sneaking back to your quarters before your absence could be noted. Only an hour later, the game makers came for me, escorting me from the castle to the old royal racing valley. Once there, I was suited in the traditional racing wear, heat leathers to protect from the flames and chainmail to prevent injuries from the sharpest of the dragon scales. My mind felt strangely quiet, there was nothing I could do now to prepare, and when I was marched to the starting line, I felt almost nothing at all. This blankness, this numbness was familiar to me. I'd felt it before the worst of battles. It had been years since I'd seen dragons. I'd always thought the racing was barbaric. They looked larger than I remembered. I glanced to my right and saw Hawthorne. She stared straight ahead. When I looked to my right, I expected to see you and... Yet, you were not there. I thought perhaps you were still being fitted for your heat leathers. But when I saw the royal game makers whispering, I knew something was wrong. Something was very, very wrong. The game makers broke from their discussion and one of them walked towards the stands. His voice boomed loudly. There's been a change to the final challenge. The human competitor has been eliminated from the games. The crowd gasped. There were a few moments of silence and then shouts of resistance. Quiet, he commanded. She's been imprisoned on suspicion of treason. My magic turned cold, rushing through my veins like the icy water of a mountain river. And there's been a change of rules. The race, all but the winner, will be executed. Competitors, the game maker announced, stand at the ready. I had no time to confer with Hawthorne. I had no time to even think. The terrible sound of the game eagle pierced through the sky and I ran towards the largest dragon I had ever seen. A red and brown beast with spikes as sharp as blades running down its back and tail. Every muscle in my body pulsed with magic and violence. If it was war that my father wanted to wage upon my love and my allies, then so be it. I would wage it back. My wings unfurled and I burst into the sky. The dragon turned its red eyes in my direction and fire exploded from its mouth. I tucked my wings and let myself fall, spiraling through the sky to avoid the pillar of flame, only narrowly missing certain death. Then I snapped my wings open again, catching the warm updraft from the fiery explosion and hurtled upwards, aiming for the beast's back. A saddle had been fastened there. I managed to get myself onto him. I quickly took hold of the reins that had been fastened to its thick, scaly neck. Its behemoth body 
bucked and rolled, attempting to throw me off, but I held tight, and finally it seemed to acquiesce to my command. It was a bulkier dragon than I had ever ridden, but I needed all the brawn I could get for what I was about to do. Down below, I saw Hawthorne mounting the smaller green dragon. She got on quickly and deftly maneuvered the beast, spraying fire at the royal guards and game makers. I'll hold them off, she shouted, and I nodded, knowing what I needed to do. I tugged on the reins and the dragon surged towards the castle, easily dodging the shower of arrows that came down like rain upon us. When we soared above the castle keep, I pulled on the reins again, urging the dragon down towards the roof. Its left wing scraped against the jagged stone and it roared so loudly my ears rang. But somehow, bless the many gods, it landed. I had no time to wonder if it would be there when I returned. I threw open the keep door and raced down the stairwell. I knew exactly where my father was keeping you. The dragon had got me to the castle faster than the royal guards could run, but they would be here soon enough. I needed to make haste. By the time I reached the dungeon, I could hear the shouts of guards close on my heels. It had been years since I'd been to the dungeon. Once my father had brought me here as a failing to scare me, he told me this is where creatures went who disobeyed him. It had scared me enough to never return, and the screams I'd heard filled my nightmares for years to come. As I raced by each cell, the sounds of my nightmares returned, screeching and shrieking, and for the first time in my life, I wondered who these captives were. My father had said they were monsters, and I'd once believed him. But I'd once believed in many things. My father among them. Rage filled me like a poison making me stronger, spurring me on. My wings expanded and I flew to the end of the dungeon where I knew I'd find you. I roared your name and you answered back. Rowan, you shouted and my heart swelled with relief stronger than I'd ever felt. Magic exploded inside me, filling me with the strength of a thousand storms and I bent the iron bars and ripped off the door. There I found you, bruised and disheveled, but standing at least. It was clear you'd put up a fight, and then been left here. My father thought of you as nothing more than human bait, a way to catch a prince, not even worth killing. I drew you into my arms, gingerly pulling you against my chest. It was clear that your arm was injured. Then I heard the sound of clapping behind me. I whipped around, and there he was. My father. Isn't that sweet, he sneered. The two lovebirds reunited at last. You're perfect for each other, really. The dirty, cheating mortal and my traitorous offspring. I thought perhaps the gleaning would be an opportunity for you to prove me wrong, Rowan. Maybe I was wrong to think you were my weakest son. And when you won the first challenge, I felt a small sputtering of hope. And then... You. You human. Halfling. Whatever you are, you came around and you tricked him into an allyship. And you, Rowan, you were weak enough to fall for it. Do you think she actually cares for you? You're wrong. You screamed. My father grinned then, a sickly and evil smile. Then he magicked you to the wall, pinning you against the stone. You gasped for air. He was slowly crushing you, strangling you. 
drop her, I screamed. You rolled your eyes at me, and then he quickly threw his magic at me to pin me against the opposite wall. Not to kill me, but to make me watch as he killed you. I strained against the magic, watched the pain and suffering grow in your eyes. But all it took was mere seconds for my magic to catch fire within me, but he had always underestimated me. And with our weeks of training, our connection, my power had grown even stronger along with yours. I roared and my magic exploded, raw but powerful. The king was thrown backwards through the door of the cell, out into the hall he'd come from. He groaned as he smashed against the stone walls of the dungeon. But instead of rushing to him to finish his long, horrible life once and for all, I rushed to you, catching you as you sank to your knees, grasping for breath. I could hear the guards running down the hall. Even with my father down, we were trapped. Somehow, we made it through each game, near death, imprisonment. But now, we would die at the hands of the guards. It seemed so unfair. I simply would not let it happen. Or if we had to go down, we'd go down together. We unsheathed our weapons and turned towards the door awaiting the onslaught of fey warriors arriving to execute us. Put your back to mine, I barked, and we stood pressed together so we could see the guards from all sides. My magic flowed into you and yours into mine, strengthening us both. And yet, I felt the hope, sparking like a candle in my heart being snuffed out. There were too many of them. We were far outnumbered. I could hear your steady breath your calm heart. You embraced the death that arrived for us both. Then, the walls of the castle shook with an ear-shattering boom and we all froze. And then there it was again. Another loud crash and shake. Then the walls of the dungeon began to crack and I heard the unmistakable roar of a dragon. What an all hellfire. Finally, the wall crumbled completely and there was Hawthorne. Get on! she ordered. I gathered you into my arms and my wings unfolded. I exploded into the air and through the broken wall. Then I landed atop the dragon and Hawthorne turned around, grinning wildly at us. About time, she said, and I was too speechless to reply. Where are we going? I finally managed to ask. To land of the witches, 